Please, as you are standing, if you'll turn in the scriptures to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, for the lesson this morning. Oh, do not think that because we transition to the Word, that there is less of God. Can I get an amen? Everything we do, we bring us to this place of the Word. Not because of the speaker, but because of the power of the Word. And so in Mark chapter 5, please, I want to visit a passage that I have visited many times. Perhaps you have also. I have found that there are certain places in Scripture that gets me quicker into restored faith, renewed faith, increased faith. There are certain places I just go to because of how it ministers to me in a time when I need a little bit more. And so this does that, and I hope it will for you. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Can you say amen thus far? Verse 30. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Hallelujah. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Might you just point a hand in my direction and pray for me, would you? And we will for each other. Blessing and glory and honor and power unto your name. Blessing and glory and honor through the Word. And oh God, I, I just thank you today. I pray for a fresh anointing for the Word upon me, God. My voice, my mind, my thoughts, my attitude, my discernment. I pray I would not exploit this congregation by any personal agendas. But I pray, oh God, that you would be glorified. And none of us would bring any personal agendas inconsistent to your Word. I rebuke anything that would steal the miracles that are designed for us today. Fresh anointing, fresh power on all of us that we might be vessels of honor for glory of God. Would you say amen? Amen. Thank you for being seated. Please, you, you, you might keep your scriptures open to this fifth chapter of Mark. I want to talk to you about faith steps. Steps of faith. I want to talk to you about faith in God that triumphs over your circumstances. But I need to ask a question as an introductory statement, perhaps. Does my faith in God remove my mountains? Or does my faith in God, pardon me, or does my faith in God remove my mountains? Or do, do my mountains remove my faith? You got that? Uh, let me see if I can. I can use the word of F.B. Meyer, wonderful preacher of yesteryear. He once said that unbelief puts our circumstances between us and God, but faith puts God between us and our circumstances. Now, let's see if I can picture this. I, I'd like to kind of uh, illustrate this. A little more vividly than our imagination, but for the sake of introduction. Here I am with my situation. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm in need. Over here is God. God is big. God is almighty. God is awesome. I'm there with my need. God is here. My circumstances and I are here. And, and, and because of unbelief, my circumstances grows and the more I think about my situation and the impossibilities of what's going on in my life my circumstances grow so large until God, even though God is over there 
my situation, my pain, my worry, my woe, my addiction, my habit, whatever it is I'm going through, has become so large, it obscures the largeness of God. That's what unbelief does. But faith in God will do this. I am here with my questions and fears and worries. But I decided I'm going to trust God. And when I decide I'm going to trust God, the circumstances move over here to where God was. And God moves over here to where the circumstances was that was so large. And when I'm standing over here and I see how big God is, how awesome He is, how loving and kind and powerful He is, it causes my circumstances to diminish in the light of the glory and the power of my faith in God. Go ahead, praise Him, even though it's just an introduction. So, I want to talk to you about faith. Why faith? Because the Bible tells us that great Faith produces great miracles. And I know you're thinking, but the Bible also says that if you have the faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say to the mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea whatever mountains in your life, and it shall be done. And I understand that there are times when all the faith we can muster up is a little mustard seed size kind of faith. But God never said to just stay with mustard seed faith. He said, greater faith gives greater miracles. Now, where do you get that, Pastor? I get it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 29, when the Bible says, Jesus speaking, according to your faith, so be it unto you. I remember there was a time some 26 and a half years ago when, when, when I came to, to pastor the church and we were trusting God for several things and we needed a financial miracle of $7,000. $7,000 26 and a half years ago. And I mustered up enough faith and the church worked together and, and God, we prayed to God and now I'm 26 and a half years later and we're looking at rise up and build and the vision God's given us and the 25 acres of property and I'm trusting God for $7 million. And I'm I'll tell you this, the same God that gave us $7,000, that was a mountain 26 and a half years ago. It was as much a mountain as $7 million. That same God said to me recently, I'm not about to dump you. I'm not about to embarrass my kingdom. I won't give you a calling and anointing to let you down. That same God says to you, if you will trust Him, He will always come through. Put your hands together and praise Him. That's the God we serve. So, if greater faith gives greater miracle, Lord, increase my faith. And so, I want, to use, I want to use the account of this woman's story to speak to you about how God honors faith and the kind of faith we ought to have. I'll begin by this thought of determination of faith. Why determination in our faith in God is so vital for us to get our miracle. Now, the Bible says... In verse 25 of chapter 5 of Mark, now a certain woman had a flow, an issue, which is the King James Version of this hemorrhage she was suffering, an issue of blood for 12 years. Now, I would say to you, brothers and sisters, that I would use the word issue not in a flippant way, but to make a point about all of us. All of us have Issues. Go ahead and say amen. You're sitting beside yours. All of us have issues. She had an issue of a bleeding hemorrhage where her blood would not clot. There were times that it would and at times it wouldn't. It was embarrassing. And I'll say more about that in a moment, but, but she never knew when. And how this would come upon her, but it was there for 12 years. I don't know how long you've had your issues. I know how long I've had some of mine. And for some folks, it may be more than 12 years. See, here you are this morning, living in a real world, and sometimes you have physical issues. Can I get a witness? Maybe sometimes the doctors haven't been able to resolve your physical issues. So you're going through stuff. Maybe for you it's a financial issue. You and I are living in the same economy, the same recession. It's quite apparent that the cost of living is rising. 
While some people don't have jobs and they're making less money now than they did in the same job they have. And insurance is going up. Gasoline prices going up. You may have some financial issues of, of, the, of the possibility of paying your mortgage, your rent. And maybe your, your house is threatened for foreclosure. I hope that's not the case. But there are financial issues. We all have issues. Then there are social issues. Maybe you're dealing with a problem in your family. Maybe you're dealing with a problem with a, with a, a teenage son or daughter or a grown married son or daughter. Maybe you're dealing with an issue with your marriage. There's social issues. Maybe you're dealing with an issue with the job you're working or a, a certain groups of people with which you have to interact. There are social issues. And then, then there is this thing of spiritual issues. Maybe you have a sin problem that's weighing you down. Maybe you thought you conquered it last week only to have to have it, have this sin stick up its old monstrous ugly head of temptation. You thought, I thought I had that conquered and here it comes again. Spiritual issues. Issues of the flesh. Issues of a lack of obedience to God. Lack of passion for God. Uh, some issues that, that keep you bound. Everybody has issues. The question about this text this morning for this woman is, when did this woman find relief from her issues? She found relief the day she fell at the feet of Jesus. She found relief the day she made up her mind. I have no other hope. I have spent all my money. I have been to many doctors. I'm not better, I'm worse. But Jesus is coming to town. And if he's the last hope I got, I am determined if I got to drag myself there, if I got to leave early in the morning, I've heard about Jesus and he's coming to my town. And I don't know if he's coming tomorrow or next week. This is the moment I will fall at his feet and touch his robe. And I know I will be made well of my issues. I wish you'd praise the Lord with me, somebody. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't know why I yell like I do, but I just guess I'm anointed to yell. Oh, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, now, now, let me show you something about this woman. This miracle in Mark 5 is juxtaposed in between two other miracles in that same chapter. Actually, this woman wasn't the intended target. It looks that way. But how many know God don't heal by accident? (laughs) Oh, I feel coming on. In this Mark 5, Jesus is on his way to restore the health of a 12-year-old girl. The girl's father's name is Jairus. He's a ruler of the synagogue. He is a a man of caliber, character, position, clout. And so he's on his way to heal this 12-year-old girl at the crest of her father. There was a great crowd that's following Jesus, and they, they're going to see what will take place. Some who followed around Jesus that they believed, some didn't believe. There were skeptics in the crowd, and then there were those who were supportive of Jesus. Now, listen to this. It's apparent the general, general motive of the crowd that day is to see what Jesus is going to do for another person. But there was someone else in the crowd that day who was following the rest of them. The intent of that person was not to see what Jesus was going to do for somebody else. Her intent was to see what Jesus could do for her. I don't know how you came to church this morning by way of your intent. I do believe you have an intent. I know I do. I'm wondering, did you come to church this morning in a sort of a general way? But not a specific target in your life. I wonder if you came this morning to see somebody else sing and hear somebody else sing. And see somebody else get blessed. And see somebody else praise the Lord. Or or, or did you come like the woman in the crowd? There were other people there who had needs. Did you you hear what I say? There were other people in the crowd who had pains and fears and storms and trials. But she was the only one in that crowd following Jesus who had enough faith to do something about her issue. Oh, I'm telling you, you can be in the crowd this morning or you can have a personal relationship and visitation with the Holy Ghost. 
we had a full house this is the first service and, and we're about to maybe three fourths or ninety percent full here this morning but you can either be you can be in the crowd and I know sometimes you just got to be in the crowd but the same God who is the God of the crowd is the God who can stop the crowd and say who touched me because somebody believed and my power went out of me <laughs> I feel it yeah I know I know I know not to get so worked up pastor you don't know I do you see, I've come to believe there were some things in her story that are similar to our stories that could have kept her from getting her miracle. Okay? I think as I look at these hindrances, perhaps we're addressing some things in our lives we need to conquer. For example, she could have said to herself, I'm not going to Jesus because I don't have money. She was poor. The same text I read to you said she spent all she had money-wise on physicians and didn't get better. I don't have any money and I can't afford it. Because she may have had in her mind, since Jesus is a healer, he's going to charge something. Mm. So I, I can't afford it, don't have the money, I'm on a fixed income. How many people say that when it comes to obedience in finances to God and hinder your miracle? I'm on a fixed income or I'm low income or I'm limited income and therefore I cannot tithe and cannot give and cannot bless the church and help build the building and send the missionaries and feed the hungry and help the widows and the orphans and bless the ministry of the church. And if you wasn't shouting so loud, I'd just uh, be able to get my thoughts together. <laughs> Lack of money. Do you know that it's my responsibility as your teacher to tell you that when you withhold what belongs to God by your tithe and offering, you're not tying God's hands. You're tying your own hands from receiving what He gives. Okay? I- I'm telling you, for some reason, God thought He could trust us with 100% by asking us for ni- for, to keep the 90 and give Him back 10%. Some reason, God thought that he, could, that he could build His kingdom and spread the gospel by asking believers and church members and non-members and Christians everywhere to bring the tithe, 10%. If you make $10 last week you made, one belongs to God. That's 10%. If you made 100 $10 belongs to God. If you made 1000 100 be- belongs to God. With the measure you measure out to God the same measure he's going to measure back to you the Bible says if you God give God a little thimble full of something and say God I expect a harvest you will only get a measure of a proportion of a thimble thimble full of faith but if you take oh God and you say God you give me a barrel full and you ask me to give you some back with a measure you measure out he'll measure back and some of you are hindering your blessing for being debt free from getting out of credit card woes and all kinds of other debt in other places because the devil has somehow convinced you that when you win the lottery, you can make it up to God. <laughs> Preach, little man. I think I will. Yeah. If I had the money of the lottery or the people who told me that junk, I'd already built the Taj Mahal. Number one, they didn't win. And number two, I ain't building no Taj Mahal. <laughs> Woo! Yes. I just feel like something good is... You know, if you all wanted just a little three-point sermon, a little poem and a song, you need to go to another place. Because there are people dying in them churches they don't even know they're dead. Here we come to... Here, here, you see, one of my missions, I am the agitator in your washing machine. Yeah. <laughs> You think just because you throw the clothes in there and, and, and that they gonna, it's going to clean up your clothes? No, you got to turn that washing machine, put some detergent, and I am here to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. You're doing a good job, preacher. Thank you. I tell you, I don't know why I get so bold. Hindrance, money, money, money. Don't have, the reason we don't have, in more occasions than not, is because we don't obey the principle of sowing. Reaping. She said, I'm going to Jesus, regardless of money or no money, because he wasn't charging for miracles. That'll give you a thought. Here's another hindrance. Could be a problem with us. Giving up on the problem. 
The Bible says about this woman, she had already done all she could and still wasn't well. Is that so? I think she could have said to herself about her problem, I don't think anything will help and I'm not going to try anymore. I don't think there's an answer to my problem. You see, listen now. Back in those days, medical science wasn't as advanced as it is today. And back in those days of this woman and her issue, her blood problem, there were back then, historians tell us, of at least 31 cures, 31 cures for blood problems back then. If, if somebody back then, because of the practice of medicine, had a virus or the flu or blood situation, they might prescribe for you to consume the eggs of a grasshopper. Do you know how hard it would be to fill that prescription? First place, I can't even find a grasshopper and I've never seen the eggs. If that didn't work, you were to carry in your person the tooth of a fox as a prescription for your healing. How'd you like to be the pharmacist that fills that prescription for you? <laughs> Why are you here with one of your ears bit off, Mr. Pharmacist? Well, I was filling the prescription for the tooth. I know I'm being facetious, but people did those things. And if that didn't work, you go for the cure-all, which you were to carry the nail, the nail off the finger of a man who had been hung. And you see people going to church looking for a cure and thinking, he's a good candidate. I think I'll... <laughs> this woman could have given up. There is a reason why we have... We are so blessed. We are at least a couple of medical doctors in our congregation. And so I, I don't mean any disrespect. My brother-in-law is a medical doctor. But there is a reason, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, why the medical profession calls it practicing medicine. Emphasis on practice. She had been practiced on for 12 years. She must have thought to herself, I'm tired of being somebody's guinea pig. I'm just giving up. But no, that wasn't her faith. The determination of her faith says, if I could just get close enough. Because they had these long flowing robes back then. And, and teachers and, and, and those who were religious leaders in the days of Jesus had these robes that had four corners. And under each corner of the four, there would be tassels that implied and, and, and showed their, their, their position as a religious leader. And she thought to herself, I am not giving up on my problem. I will press through the crowd. If I could just touch one of the tassels of his robe, I will be healed. I'm telling you, don't give up. Did you hear me? Don't give up. She had some psychological problems. If she would let it become a problem, there would be the possibility of psychological isolation. And what I mean by that is not just psychological isolation, it's physical isolation. She was an outcast in her community. Did you hear me? She had a disease where her community regarded as unclean. And so she was a social outcast. A bleeding disease, according to Leviticus, like that, while still uncured, had the possibility of contamination of anybody who was in proximity of a person like this. And, and the Bible says, we understand her situation, but she may have had, if she was married and she developed the disease after she got married, her husband could divorce her because of the problem of the disease. A social outcast, psychologically isolated. Who knows, she may have lived by herself in her adult life because of that very reason. She couldn't go to the synagogue because people were there and she would, anywhere she went, it was like being a leper. Anywhere she went, before she got to a crowd of people or two or three people congregating, whether it's the market or the church or some other place, within about a hundred yards of, where, of the people she was going to walk in front of or nearby, she had to yell out, unclean, 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 so that they could disperse and not be contaminated because she was considered an untouchable. 
That'll do something for you. Huh? And so, so what, what she could have surmised is, it takes too much effort to get to Jesus. I've been by myself these 12 years. I'm sick. I'm weak. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And crowds make me nervous. I have seen people, ministered to people, who it took them a while after they went through their storm, their divorce, their trials, the death of a loved one, their pain, their issue. They were so emotionally, psychologically distracted and burdened. They said, Pastor, I can't come to church right away. Immediately, I can't come back. The crowds make me nervous. The faces. We used to sit together as husband and wife, and now he's going to heaven. And when I see them, they may think, they may ask me some stuff, and it'll cause me pain. We used to sit together as husband and wife, and now we're divorced. And Pastor, I never wanted it, and so I can't come back to church or the same church. How many know those things play on you? Can I get an amen? We can't, we can't go to family reunion. We can't go to Thanksgiving. We can't go to Christmas because of the vacant chair or the empty place. And, and, and you know that everybody needs a little time, right? Everybody needs a little room and a little space to get over their stuff and their issue. But you don't need to be isolated from the very people who have overcome some of the same pains you've overcome. Can I get an amen? When my mother died unexpectedly in 1999 at age 63, unannounced, didn't have the opportunity to say goodbye to her, I went through my little storm, but I'm not the only person who's ever lost a mother. I had my own little trial, but I found somebody else who lost a mother and survived, and I engaged myself back in the group and found there was healing here. You're not the only one that has ever had cancer spoken over you, but find somebody who's been healed of cancer, and don't disengage yourself from the house of God, and the place of worship, and your small group, and family, and others. Somebody's been to hell and back, and God gave them deliverance, and you need their testimony. You You need their prayers. You need their power. We all need one another in the body of Christ. You help me praise God. I hasten to tell you that another thing that can hinder us is procrastination. But I'll talk about that next week. (laughs) Right, congregation, right. I'll go to Jesus when the timing is better. Next week may be a better time, or maybe when he comes back into my town, maybe he's a circuit preacher and a circuit healer, and he'll come back to my town next spring when the weather is better. This woman didn't procrastinate. She had a sense of urgency. I want to tell you, if your life has issues urgent enough, you won't wait till somebody brings their tent to your town with a high evangelist name to get what you need. Huh? If you, whoo, I feel it, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. If you got issues and pains in your marriage and your children and your body and your finances and storms in your life and addiction and bondage, you won't wait to call 1-800-PRAYER-TOWER out in Tulsa or Texas or New York. You'll come to the house of God or you'll find your old closet someplace and you'll get alone and you'll, you'll cut off your cell phone, you'll cut off the landline, you'll get your Bible somewhere and you say, God, I will not put this, if I can be blessed next Sunday, I can be blessed this Monday and I want to pray through now. If you can give me a miracle Wednesday and I can have it on Tuesday, he is the God of right now. And she figured in her head, if I get to him, I will be made whole today. I don't have to go and take some fox tooth and some kind of eggs of grasshopper and wait for five weeks. Yeah, I like it, brother. You see, my goodness is what I say. Man, if, if your church got a healing line, be the first down in the line. Yeah. If your church giving out blessed cloths and you got some issues, get you two or three of them. Come on, somebody say amen. No, I don't get you two or three. I've been making us cut too many cloths. Get one. That'll be enough. Yeah, yeah. My God, if, if the Lord says, if the Lord says, listen, they get the, they're raising an offering for an offering somewhere, and all you got is a few dollars, put something in there immediately. That's when the seed begins to take effect. I'm not fixing to raise an offering. I'm just trying to tell you. Didn't the Bible say when this woman went to Jesus and she touched the hem of his garment, the Bible said, immediately she knew in her body she was healed. Immediately. Everybody say immediately. Jesus found out that she touched him, not because somebody told him. But the Bible said Jesus immediately knew somebody touched him. I'm going to tell you something. Don't be sitting around blaming your family tree and your genealogy and somebody who was a whatever in your family 
for the problem you're having today. If you have the capacity to get a hold of your life today and go back to school and get you a job and crucify the flesh and get full of the Holy Ghost. Yesterday is gone. Today is now. God is a miracle worker. I got to hurry. A lack of help could have kept her. Boy, I'm telling you, I got to be careful in preaching here. There's so many people that get their miracle if they get off of the seat of do nothing and start walking to Jesus. Yeah. I mean, you know, this woman, she might have said to herself, I don't have anybody help me to go to Jesus. The crowd's going to be large. They're going to push me aside. I'll probably have to wear a hood so some don't recognize me as the woman with the issue and shun me and, and throw me away. I may have to get up 6 o'clock because I hear he's coming to the market at 8 o'clock. And I may have to walk a, about 20 feet and sit down because I'm anemic. My blood's low. I'm, I got this issue going on. I, I, my eyes are sunken in my head. My, my cheekbones are showing. My, I'm frail. And I, I don't have nobody to help me. You know what's spoiling America? I, I think you do, but I'll help you. So many people think somebody else owes them something. I'm preaching to you. The church owes me something. My mother and daddy owes me something. My grandma owes me. A grandpa owes me something. The government owes me something. No, no, no. You know how this America is birthed? Guys and gals rolled up their sleeve. And say, bless God, if we're going to have taters, we got to plant some taters. If we're going to have, oh, don't you all know you, the Lord's in this house? Yeah. Don't let somebody else pray for you if you got a little prayer in you. Don't let somebody else come up and, and get what you need if you got a little footstep in you. Can I get an amen? Don't let somebody else all around you get blessed if you can sacrifice to God. Somebody will come and help you when you need help. God will send the right person. But here's a woman whose determination, I won't get to the other points of this sermon, but she was so determined. If i got to drag myself and stop and rest, I'm going to Jesus. And one more thought, please. And this thought is this. She was taking a risk. You know why she was taking a risk? You know why she came up to Jesus on the backside of him, behind him? The risk was, number one, she was embarrassed because of her bleeding hemorrhage. Embarrassed, others would see her. Embarrassed people didn't know her. So she, was, she thought, I could sneak, I could steal a blessing from Jesus. Here's you, and I sneak up. Because I'm embarrassed. And another reason why she came up behind him is because, of what I told you earlier, she was a social outcast. She was a stigma. Because she was a social outcast, she thought before she could get to Jesus, somebody would recognize her and keep her from getting to Jesus. I want to tell you this, and I'll see if I can wrap it up. Our faith needs a direction. Did you hear me? Our faith needs a direction. Whether you need a money miracle, a healing miracle, a marriage miracle, a raising the children miracle, whether you need a miracle for psychological, emotional healing, whether you need a house, or you need a car, or you need a job, or you need to launch your business, or you, God's called you to a ministry and you need to know how, your faith needs a direction. And the Bible said her faith was already shattered in other people. Can I get an amen here? Why did she go to Jesus? Because other people had let her down. Doctors had made promises that they didn't keep. Other people had made promises. Have you ever had an institution, a bank, a lawyer, a church, a pastor, a mom, a dad, a friend, a coach? Have you ever had somebody of significance in your life? People of influence who could do it for you? But they promise you if you do your part, we'll do ours. And they didn't do it. Have you had your faith in people shattered? Then you know about this woman. You know why she came to Jesus? Because of her resources had already been diminished. All of her money was gone. This was her last hope. She came to Jesus because time was running out for her. Give me an amen, somebody. She had 12 years suffered like this. And she thought to herself, I'm running out of time. I'm a dying woman. Can I get an amen, somebody? 12 years. None of us are getting younger, so we might as well nod our heads, you know. And, and, and if I don't get to Jesus, I, I'll die. If I get to Him, maybe I'll buy a little time. I tell you something. And I, I'm trying to see if I can wrap this up. Mm. You see, what, what I appreciate about the Lord is when we come to the end of ourselves, we can come to the beginning of Jesus.
Did you, did you hear me? Our most bitter hour. If you take notes, write this down. Our most bitter hour can be transformed into our best hour. Because when you run out of you, you run into him. Did you all hear what I said? Your most bitter hour of divorce, separation, financial pain, physical affliction, rebellious children, demonic attacks. Oh God, it seemed like the hounds of hell has been loose in my life. Your most bitter hour can become your best hour if you will press your way past doubt and fear and isolation and all the other lies of the devil and say, God, and I'm being very transparent here, come hell or high water, I am trusting you. That's what Job said. Can I get an amen, somebody? You see, there are two options when you come to your most bitter hour. You can either discard your faith and give up or you can direct your faith and grow up. I've had the Holy Ghost to tell me sometimes, grow up, Alan. You know what? Oh, God help me. I, I, I have been puny. You should have come, you should, if you were here last week, you know about how my puny went with country songs. I, the preacher, the yelling, shouting, sweating <laughs> preacher, have been under the attack of Satan on occasions. When the devil tell me, God, don't even love you, don't even remember who you are, don't even know where you are, why are you even preaching anyhow? Come on, help me here, somebody. I want to tell you something. Now, I'm not trying to get a pity party for me, but the encourager usually gets more attacked than the encouraged. Yeah. Give up. Delta is hiring. You can work from 8 to 5, get some insurance. <laughs> yeah. Or oh, whatever. Discard your faith. Give up. We could fill this church up with... Probably double the attendance today for the number of people who just said, God, you didn't show up on time. You didn't answer my prayers. The Bible's not true. Didn't get the money. Didn't save the marriage. Didn't heal my body. And I'm just going to chunk it. That's the devil's plan to destroy us. The thief does not come but to steal and kill and destroy. He was lying yesterday. He was lying before you were born. He'll be lying today and he'll be lying tomorrow. And one day God's going to let one angel drop, kick him into the bottomless pit. And that will be the end of that stinking devil. But Jesus said if you'll press on, if you will not discard your faith and direct your faith to God. Jesus said, oh thank you Jesus. I am come that you might have life and you might have it my abundantly. Come on and praise the Lord. I, I gotta hurry. Put me on the last slide. You know when this woman touched Jesus, everything stopped. And he said to the disciples, who touched me? The disciples, you know, they know with all the disciples. Who you mean Jesus? Who touched you? There are hundreds of people around. And in the periphery of this crowd, there might be a thousand people. People rubbing up and scrubbing against you because they, they, they see you as a, the man of the hour. Or they come to see if you can do what you said. Others said you did. Rubbing up all against you. What do you mean? Jesus said, I know somebody touched me. In a different kind of touch. Because I felt power go out of me. The woman came running to Jesus I touched you and she got to thinking oh God I'm, 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 I'm doing some imaginative thinking here which I don't think discredits the authentic truth of the story I'm putting myself in her place I'm thinking oh God I touched him and now he knows I'm a social outcast he's probably going to get mad at me for contaminating him and making him unclean because now he'll have to stay outside the camp or outside other crowds until sunset, shower clean, bathe himself and then get back in the camp because that's what people who were touched and who came among the proximity of unclean people had to do. It was an inconvenience. It was an embarrassment. She's thinking, he knows I touched him and maybe he will withdraw the miracle. Because I feel I'm healed. I know I'm healed. But oh God, he's going to take it back. No, that's not why he pointed her out. 
there was a social uh, understanding. Uh, I'm, that's not the best word I want to think about here. Th- there was a, uh, better words, there was a cultural superstition in the days of Jesus that the power of a person was transmitted to their clothing. A prophet, a rabbi, a spiritual leader. Cultural suspicion. They're so powerful that the power is in their clothes. And if I could touch their clothes, I'll be healed. Jesus said to this woman, it's your faith. I pointed you out to tell you it's your faith that made you whole and not my clothes. Not your faith in my clothes. It's your faith in me. You didn't get your healing by accident, woman. I knew about you before you came here. But when you put your faith in me, not garments, that's what heals. There's a second reason why Jesus allowed her, called her out, not to shame her or rebuke her. But when he healed her physically, he healed her socially. He allowed her to make a public confession in order to cancel the uncleanness ritual of society that had been on her. He made her known to the community that day that no more does this woman have to yell out clean, unclean, unclean. No more does this woman, is she forbidden from the synagogue, the marketplace or any place else because now I pronounce her clean. I've healed her body and I've healed her socially and she can go on with her life because God's not just concerned about healing you one way. If you got needs, other kinds of ways, he'll do that too. Give him a hand clap and then stand, 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 stand all over the house. My brother Sammy, your prayer team and your people who help us pray with folks, come bring them to the altar. Our prayer team is coming and I'm going to invite you in a moment to get your miracle. Pastor, I just got enough time to get my miracle. Can I get an amen? What will be so tragic here this morning, unless you have a job or you have some other pending, important, urgent need to depart, is for you to have heard this word and not act on it. And so here's what I want you to do. I don't care what your issue is. I don't mean that in a negative way. What I mean by saying that is I do not know what your issue may be. And when I say I don't care, I mean that it doesn't matter how large it is. Oh, how impossible it is. God knows and God cares. And nothing in your life is bigger than the power of God to meet and to help. But what you've got to do is press in. Can I get an amen here? You've got to swallow your pride and the lies of the devil and say, But pastor, I have been up there 50 times. The Holy Ghost says, 51. Come again. Can I get an amen? Pastor, I have made myself a a sort of, I feel like I might make myself a sort of a distraction by my habitual asking and going. You ain't asking, pardon the grammar, man or the church, you're asking God. And if he tells you he's tired of you, then then you quit. But he ain't going to tell you that. Maybe he's just saying to you, I want to make you a public testimony on the 51st time. There are other people in this church, when you come and you get healed, they'll come and they'll get healed too. Can I get an amen? Oh, blessed be the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So in a moment, if you need salvation, He can save you immediately today. If you want to have a 180 degree turnaround from a life of sin, temptation, vice, all kinds of stuff that you know God is not pleased with, immediately, immediately today, you can turn around. But whatever else you need, God will do it this morning. If you need something for your... And when I invite you to come, respond out of obedience. Don't come patronizing me because you won't get anything. Come because you believe. And when you come, you come in as close as you can. We're going to sing a a chorus of worship and then we're going to pray. And then, because you obey, God's for your marriage, for your children, for your job, for your mind, for your your healing, uh, for relationships, whatever your issue is. First, let's lift our hands to Him. Come on, and ask the Lord to lead us. Father, in Jesus' name, come on, come on, just begin to praise Him with me. Go ahead and praise Him right now that He will do anything you need. Just thank Him by faith. God, I thank You by faith. Show me, God, how to praise You. Show me how to believe. Show me how to press my way. Show me how to get my miracle. Come on. Right now, get in your mind the very thing you need to pray about. Get in your mind the very person, the very issue. In the name of the Lord, I'm not leaving here like I came. 
I'm leaving my issues. I'm leaving my burdens. I'm leaving my sorrows. I'm leaving my pain. I'm leaving my past. I'm leaving my attitude. I'm leaving my defeatism. I'm leaving my hang-ups. I'm leaving it all in Jesus' name. Now, as they sing, you come from where you are. If you need to come forward and just praise Him in the altar and get your miracle, keep coming. Sing, my brother. And others of you, just sing with them and praise the Lord. Go ahead. Come, come.